Welcome to this edition of Rail Group on Air, the joint podcast of Railway Age, Railway Track and Structures, and International Railway Journal. My guest today is Eduardo Lazarato, who is Director of Product Management, Building Electrical Plant and Structural for Bentley Systems. Eduardo is joining me from London. We're going to talk about engineering, I guess to put it simply, Eduardo, engineering for social distancing and some of the, the systems that, that Bentley has developed. So uh, what, what is this all about, uh, what you're doing here? Yes. Hello. Hi, William. Uh, good afternoon. Um, so... Actually, what we are um, talking a little bit about over the past couple of weeks is a campaign uh, that Bentley um, is delivering around um, two of our products. One of them is Open Building Station Designer. So it's a multidisciplinary platform to design, build, and operate uh, train stations, but also other types of buildings, where we pretty much bring together architects, structural engineers, electrical engineers, mechanical engineers, and they can all actually interact in that in that uh, platform. And then the other solution is called Legion uh, Simulator. So Legion is actually a simulation tool uh, to help um, modeling human behavior in terms of movement. So it's a tool that has been used for the past around 20 years. And some of our users like London Underground in London, as you mentioned, but also others like Network Rail, SMCF in France, um, a lot of the metros in the U.S. and South America and Asia have been using that tool to actually model their stations and simulate the number of trains that can operate safely in that station, the number of ticket barriers, the entrances, exits, and all the other uh, pieces of infrastructure in those stations, as well as operational. Uh, the, the, uh, the infrastructure that is really uh, for managing passenger flow. Uh, and pass passenger, uh, not, not, not only boarding and deboarding trains, but also going through turnstiles, uh, everything that's involved in a, in a, in a passenger station, even maybe stopping at the, uh, at the local Starbucks and getting a coffee or something. Uh, Absolutely. So, so over the years, uh, simulation had three major application areas. Uh, the first one, of course, always uh, safety. And around safety, uh, the number one application is that it, Every model that we build, either for stations or other types of buildings, the users can test the evacuation time for that space. So in the case of an emergency or any other type of scenario where evacuation is needed, that can be tested uh, very quickly. Um, and also for other applications, like in the case of stations, you can test the best route or access to a platform for emergency services. You can test uh, security checks. You can test, again, boarding and alighting and other safety-related uh, features. Uh, the other application is uh, efficiency of that design. So either in very early stages of greenfield projects on conceptual design or detailed design, or in many cases like in, in countries like the UK and in the US, uh, refurbishing stations. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. The simulation can be used to actually improve that space and to make sure that we are not wasting space, but that we are also having enough space to be comfortable and safe for the passengers. Mm. Um, and then the third one is commercial application. So it's how, where do we position that Starbucks shop uh, right. to not impact negatively the operation of that station and also to, to bring some, some extra additional revenue to the, to the operator. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of factors involved here. Uh, some of the things you're talking about have to do with life safety. And I guess that uh, included in, in all station design, you know, whether, again, as you mentioned, whether it's a greenfield project or whether it's a, a refurbishment, 
Uh, we're talking lighting, fire suppression systems, uh, ventilation systems, HVAC. So all these things come into play. And I guess if you can, uh, if you can model them, if you can bring all the engineers together in, in, in one common platform, uh, it just makes the process of doing the design more efficient, correct? Absolutely. So at Bentley, we believe that the future of infrastructure is a digital future. So we talk a lot about digital twins for different types of infrastructure, either a road or a railway or a power plant, but also for buildings mm -hmm. uh, and stations in general. Uh, and part of that digit digitalization process is actually getting the right data uh, at the right time to the right people and the right levels of access. Uh, and making sure that all that information that we gather during the design process, uh, we can actually take that forward through to construction and then later on to operation of that space. Mm -hmm. And then we can use that for simulation and for improvement of that operation right. of that asset. Okay. Let, me, uh, let me ask you to define a, a few terms here that our listeners may not be entirely familiar with. One uh, is uh, uh, an acronym, and this industry is full of acronyms. <laughs> Uh, BIM, B-I-M, which is Building Information Modeling, and the other one is Digital Twins. Can you explain uh, what each of those really entail? Sure, absolutely. I think both of them um, are, to some extent, buzzwords, and we hear and read them about them everywhere all the time uh, in terms of infrastructure. So uh, for the first one, for BIM, so uh, Building Information Modeling, um, it's much more than just a tool or just a, just a software or just a 3D representation of a building or of a piece of infrastructure. It's actually a set of uh, workflows and, um, and pretty much like an approach to project, which um, throughout its different levels, so level one, two, three, and four, actually take the project to a level where there's collaboration between the different actors in that specific project. So it's pretty much making sure that uh, different disciplines involved in a project. So as I mentioned before, architects together with civil engineers, structural engineers, um, mechanical and electrical, and, and um, in the case of a building, can actually work in parallel, saving time, making sure that um, simulation, for instance, of uh, structural systems or electrical or mechanical systems are taken into account during the design process and making sure that we have the right deliverables for that for that project. Right. Would that, would that also include industrial designers, which are often a, an important part of a, a project? You know, not only how things function, but how they look and how, how form follows function. Sure, absolutely, absolutely. So BIM as a workflow, um, as we start to implement it in projects uh, throughout the world, actually is becoming a mandate in many countries. So in the UK, for instance, we see all large projects, including railways, for instance, or uh, manufacturing plants, actually also adopting the same methodology to deliver their projects. Mm -hmm. So a digital twin. Uh, it's, this is a <laughs> it's not an electronic clone of me or you, right? <laughs> but it's an electronic what? Tell me. <laughs> yeah, so this is, a, this is a very good question. So digital twins, again, they have multiple definitions uh, around the market. So the definition that we believe or that we uh, want to make possible with uh, Bentley software, it's actually a, a digital representation of reality. So either uh, an asset, as I mentioned, a road, a railway, or a building like a station, uh, we want to create the exact uh, replica of that reality in the digital world. 
So that goes through a digital context of that uh, asset. So either through uh, photogrammetry or point cloud data, we can actually go and create a 3D mesh showing visually what that, uh, what that asset is, um, but then also through digital components. So if we are talking about the station, where are the barriers, the ticket gates, the, the security checks, the, even the trains and the, and the escalators, and what is the information about those uh, digital components. Going through uh, digital workflows, so how did we get there? Uh, how did we design that space? How did we build that space? And how do we operate that space today? And then of course, taking that all the way to operation. So pretty much connecting IoT devices that we now have all over the world in different types of facets. Right, Internet of Things, another acronym. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> right? sorry for all the acronyms. <laughs> but uh, it's pretty That's much- okay. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> so it's pretty much connecting those IoT devices that tell us the state of that uh, infrastructure. So in the case of a station, you can have an IoT device saying, uh, this ticket gate is working or is not working, or uh, this escalator is down for maintenance or not, uh, and connecting that information into this digital representation of reality. Uh, and that is what we call a digital twin of the present. But then there is a new, uh, another application of that digital twin that is actually running simulations on top of that digital twin uh, and improving that asset performance in the future. And one of the types of simulations that we can do is people movement. Uh, we can also um, do traffic simulations for cars if it's roads or, or train operation simulations or energy efficiency simulations and so on. Mm -hmm. So now with this um, uh, pandemic, um, the, the new buzzword is social distancing. And if you think about it, social distancing is kind of counterintuitive where it comes to mass transit. I mean, it's almost like an oxymoron, mass transit, social distancing. Um, I've, I've had discussions with, uh, with a vehicle uh, industrial designer on how you approach this problem. Uh, from your perspective, uh, what sorts of, what sorts of uh, techniques uh, are, are you looking at? It has to be difficult to do. Sure, sure, absolutely. So I, I think there are a few parts of the, of the problem here. I think Number one, probably, is that uh, even though social distancing or even though the, the pandemic was um, to some extent predicted by many people over the years, we never imagine, imagine how, much would that, um, how much would that actually impact the, the whole world as it did um, uh, now in 2020. So disruption has been a trend for the past couple of years. And social distancing and the pandemic is nothing more than, than a disruption to the, mm -hmm. the imagined operation of that specific asset. So when we think about disruption, of course, over the past couple of years, there are many sources of disruption. One of them is technology. So if you get the design and operation of a station, for instance, over many, many years, you would only have a taxi rank and people would go there, get a taxi and go away. Mm -hmm. And then a couple of years ago, of course, we changed into this whole new world of uh, Uber, Lyft, and other um, uh, apps to get uh, your transport out of a station. So that changed the way we operate, the way we design, and the way we build uh, those spaces. So with social distance, is not, it's not different. Um, it's, of course, something that we didn't expect before, but now for the future, we can start building 
those scenarios into the simulation and we can start saying, okay, what happens if there is a new pandemic in the future? What is the best way of operating this specific station and making sure we, we deliver the most out of it? So some of things that simulation can help with, um, as you mentioned before, it's a little bit, um, it's a little bit of an oxymoron, like the whole idea of social distancing, because human beings are not uh, uh, wired to actually distance from each other. We are social yes. uh, beings, so we, we actually don't have that um, um, uh, in our brains and in our behavior to, to distance from each other. So what a lot of public transport operators around the world are doing is actually putting in place either physical means of separating people, so barriers, uh, or um, creating one directional flow so people don't actually face each other as they are going through a corridor or uh, stickers on the ground showing this is two meters distance from that sticker so people actually have all the cues and all yeah. the support to know where to stand and, and so on. Uh, and of course, with simulation, we can test all those, um, all those um, operational or, or infrastructure ideas before we go and implement them. So we can make sure that they will actually be effective. And it's always much cheaper to do it in a computer rather than doing it in real life and taking the risk and the cost. And then in, in the design of the uh, facilities, now there are technologies that are touchless, for example, uh, op mm -hmm. opening doors, uh, you know, sensors, things like that. So, so with uh, uh, BIM, <laughs> and uh, and digital twins now all those elements can be incorporated in into the design correct absolutely so uh, as I mentioned earlier uh, an important part of digital twins is actually the digital components as we call uh, and those digital components of course they evolve as we know um, in stations ticket barriers have been evolving quite a lot over the past couple of years all the way from the paper ticket kind of gates yep. into the cards and now with the mobile phones or even with the, your Apple watch. So yep. um, Con contactless uh, fair, fair collection. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and in mm -hmm. some places, even without any type of, um, of uh, interaction between the person, the passenger and the barrier. So mm -hmm. in places like Switzerland, you already have buses where uh, with the R feed of your phone, you, you actually get charged when you enter the phone without touching anything or without any other type of interaction. With the right. When you're, when you're on the vehicle and you're within a certain distance of, uh, of a reader or, or in the case of uh, a rail system, uh, you would pass through some sort of a, uh, a turnstile or, but well, you can't call it a turnstile. There might be not a, there, there's something you pass through, but it may not be a physical barrier. You just walk through and the, and the, the system will read, uh, a card with a chip, or even in some cases now there's, uh, experimenting with, uh, uh, credit cards. Your credit card is part of this big system and everything is, is interactive. Um, that's the future, really. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the, and the good thing about simulation is that even though we don't necessarily know what that future is, uh, we can already test many of those potential futures. So we can create a lot of what-if scenarios without, with or without barriers, uh, with or without automatic opening doors, for instance, screen doors in the platforms, or with uh, faster or more efficient barriers. We can, we can test all of those before they exist with simulation. 
So can you give me a few examples of some station design projects uh, around the world that are that is, are using this technology? Greenfield and, well, I don't like to use the term brownfield. It doesn't sound too nice, but, but, but you know, a brownfield is a, uh, uh, an upgrade of, of an existing facility. Sure, sure, absolutely. So um, over the years, m many large-scale projects um, that were built from scratch used uh, used Legion. So all the way from very early conceptual design stages of stations. Uh, one big example is Riyadh Metro uh, in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. So it's the first metro there. There were, it, it's literally being built in parallel. It's, it's going to be one of the longest metro systems in the world. Uh, and one of our users, um, Atkins, that is now part of SNC Lavalin uh, Group, they actually supported uh, a few of the packages of that project using Legion for simulation of all stations. So in that specific case, uh, what they did is they did all the simulations for boarding and lighting, for uh, the sizing of corridors, stairs, escalators, the whole size of stations and, and the whole operation of the, the network. Uh, so there's one example of a, of a greenfield project. Of course, there are a few newer projects. You have Crossrail that to some extent is a little bit greenfield, but there was a little bit of interaction with existing stations. Mm -hmm. Crossrail uh, in, in London. In London, yes, mm -hmm. exactly. Uh, you also have new new projects that we are designing today, like High Speed Chew in the United Kingdom. Um, you have um, um, MRT in Hong Kong with some of their new lines as well, using Legion and a few other metros around the world. How about North America? Sure. So over the years, we have uh, seen, actually, we do have many um, 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 users, both in the East and West Coast, that have used Legion for stations like BART in, in, in San Francisco or um, a New York uh, City Transit in, in New York. Um, not only for stations, but also for airports and interaction between uh, rail and airports mm -hmm. and um, the impact of changes either in the headway of the trains or, or the, or operations in the airport and what would the impacts be in the station as well. Um, of course, New York city transit, uh, uh with the exception of, of, of two, uh, two of the new lines or extensions, the West side extension on the seven, the second Avenue subway, those stations are much, much different than the ancient, uh, I like to call them holes in the ground. <laughs> they're very quaint, but uh, as far as passenger flows go, they're not, they're not, uh, they weren't designed that, that, that way really a uh, hundred something years ago. Those stations are, they're open, they're well lighted. The staircases are much wider. The platforms are wider, totally different concept. Well, yes. And even if we get some examples like in London, now we have quite a lot of those actually, there is refurbishing uh, stations or, not necessarily refurbishing, but um, pretty much in some cases rebuilding them, <laughs> mm -hmm. e even though they, we, we did it while still operating them. So you get the examples of London Bridge, uh, Bank Station, Victoria Station, Waterloo, uh, where both Network Rail that operates our overground trains in the UK and London Underground that operates the metro in the city of London work together to design all the improvements of the station that can be architectural, and pretty much all the things that you mentioned, so making them wider, uh, clear, easier to navigate, more shops, more signs, um, uh, better distribution of information and better flows of passenger. And of course, to, to find the best way of doing it, they used simulation in all these cases that I mentioned. 
I'm looking at a rather interesting uh, joint venture that involves trans- Transport for London and the, the uh, organizations in addition to Bentley are uh, Skanska, Kostain, Strabag joint venture. Uh, can, can you tell me a little bit about that uh, project? What's involved there? Sure. So, so SES is the, one of the, uh, well, it's the joint venture that delivered Crossrail. So the project that, uh, to some extent, was delivered by uh, Transport for London in, 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 in London. And now as, as it goes into operation, it goes into, into a subsidiary kind of uh, partnership uh, for operation. But uh, SES, it's also now working on High Speed 2, uh, the, the new kind of big project that we have in the UK. Uh, they are doing one of the sections that is uh, package package one or two, I believe, the one just going outside of the city of London. So loads of tunnels, quite a lot of interaction with other London underground tunnels and uh, facilities tunnels. Um, and the the story that they tell is the whole story of digitalization because the plan of High Speed 2 is to build fully a digital railway before they put the boots on the ground and start building that physically. Mm-hmm. And the whole idea is to save money, is to make sure that we do it right the first time, and is to make sure that that will operate for the future actually the way it's it's meant to. When you're dealing with a large project, uh, some of the terms that, that we hear are uh, change orders, cost overruns, projects that are years behind schedule. I mean, we've seen this with Eastside Access, Second Avenue Subway, and, and not that it's anybody's fault. There's no intent here to double the cost of a project or, uh, or double the time it takes to build it. It seems to me as though doing everything digitally, doing everything virtually can cut down on delays, on cut down on cost overruns, cut down on change orders. Uh, uh, maybe even anticipate some of the unexpected things that might happen, which are inevitable in any transit project. So this technology can help mitigate those sorts of things, I would imagine. Absolutely. So, so when we talk about digital twins, so if we think about a digital station or a digital twin of a station, uh, all the different components of that building are actually taken into consideration, all the way from... Um, ground movement simulation. So we have a, a solution called Plaxis that helps us simulating the behavior of the ground um, before we go into that construction. Um, we have uh, the planning, the 4D and 5D planning of the delivery of that construction step by step over time. Um, we have even flood simulation um, uh, tools that can actually predict what is the what is the risk of a potential flood and when can that happen and what is the impact of that in the construction. Um, we have, of course, now with people movement simulation, all the access and egress and, and so on of the construction workers into the site. So the whole idea of having that digital twin is exactly delivering more out of that piece of infrastructure all the way through the, the life cycle of that, uh, of that infrastructure. Some of the resistance to rail transit projects has to do with this perception that that it's uh, taxpayer dollars that are being used, and are they being used wisely or are they being wasted? And technology like this, I, w- I would think, would probably mitigate some of those effects. From your experience, are are folks on the uh, the bureaucratic side? <laughs> you think are are how how well educated are they on these technologies, and are they aware of the benefits? There are two sides of that. Uh... Of that question. One of them is that um, digital twins is a process. It's not like a, just a tool that you go and 
get it out of the box and say, okay, now I have a digital twin. So there is a, actually a process of digitalization, as we call. Um, and even we, we have been working with, um, um, with some of our partners at McKinsey to create this digitalization process review. And then any users of either buildings, roads, railways can actually go and do a short survey to understand in which stage of the digitalization process they are. But um, so we will still take a long, a long time in the next couple of years to become fully digitized and to have projects delivering all the advantages that digital twins can deliver. Uh, but at the same time, the good thing about digital twins is that we can do very small things and solve very big problems today. And we have some solutions, like you mentioned, about collaboration and about different um, engineers from different departments actually collaborating with each other. So we have, for instance, a solution called iTwin Design Review, which is pretty much an online-based tool where very quickly me and you can go and check our design changes and review them in this web-based application in a very uh, straightforward and time-saving way. And then the second part of the question in terms of, um, let's call it our public kind of political will and, and uh, interest and knowledge about, about digitalization. I think around the world we have great examples of cities, countries and uh, owner operators that have been uh, in the forefront of digitalization. So in terms of smart cities and digital cities, we have uh, Stockholm, uh, for instance, uh, in, in, in um, Sweden, or Helsinki in, in, in Finland that have full digital twins of their cities for the past couple of decades already and that have been evolved, evolving over the years. You also have cities like London or Paris now making a lot of their data sets open and available for developers to go and create tools and to make sure that uh, apps are available for the population to, to literally make the most out of that data. So it's an ongoing process. I think it is becoming more accessible. It's becoming easier to understand. I think, as I said in the beginning, uh, digital twins are actually a continuation of BIM. It's not a substitute to BIM. Uh, it's actually that BIM generates a lot of the data that is very useful uh, for a digital twin. Uh, and we see both of them working together uh, hand on hand for the years to come. So uh, as a closer, I'd like to just uh, go back to the the program to make some of this technology available uh, free of charge. Can you explain that a bit? And what what I guess my, my question is, uh, uh, why are you doing that? <laughs> What's <laughs> sure. your rationale? <laughs> sure, sure. So, um, so we have a campaign that we are calling Bentley Has Your Back, uh, which pretty mm -hmm. much we, we want to as a lot of other companies around the world, we want to help as much as we can. Uh, and the thing that we love at Bentley is infrastructure. It has always been our business since the beginning of the company. And what we are trying to do is actually to help um, uh, engineers, architects, planners, uh, owner operators and businesses around the world to reopen faster, but still in a safer way. And of course, in a, in a cost effective and in a, in a, in a, in a business-wise manner. So we have two uh, products or two sets of products in that campaign at the moment. One of them is called ProjectWise 365. And that is actually a, uh, uh, an online collaboration platform where engineers or different stakeholders of a project can actually collaborate 
in that project. Um, and it's pretty much like uh, the whole adoption of uh, digital communication tools like, like Zoom or like us here in the call or Teams that has grown a lot uh, with uh, COVID and social distancing. So that tool can be actually very, very helpful for users um, in projects as they are now working remotely. And then the second one is Open Building Station Designer and Legion. So these tools are actually, the first one is the design, well, it's the BIM multidisciplinary platform to design not only stations, but any other type of building. And Legion, there's the simulation tool that can help people to simulate social distancing, simulate operation of the space, simulate how to reopen that piece of infrastructure. So both campaigns run until the end of September this year. So hopefully we believe that, of course, beyond September, some of these engineers, architects, and planners that will start using these tools uh, will stay with us in Bentley. Uh, mm -hmm. But until then, we, we hope that these tools can help them delivering value and maybe reopening our world a little bit uh, sooner than without them. Yes, and you know we we see a lot of uh, a lot of companies doing uh, uh, doing things like this. It's something that uh, uh, it's I guess you'd call it giving back. You know, it's uh, we we need to do sorts of things. It's sort of uh, thinking about each other's welfare as as a as a society, as a, a civilization, and uh, uh, and as you and I know, and many of our listeners know, uh, the the most environmentally friendly uh, and safest way to travel is by public transportation. We have to make it, to use a simple term, as good as possible. Absolutely. And I, I can tell you, look, I, I feel very proud to, to work for Bentley now. Like when we took the idea back to our CEO and said, can we, can we make this, uh, these tools free for a period of time to help? Um, we were all a little bit, uh, I wouldn't say afraid, but we were... <laughs> kind of like questioning if that was going to happen. And he jumped into it straight away. Yeah. I think all mm -hmm. of our executives were super supportive and I'm very happy to be working for Bentley and helping some of these uh, owner operators around the world. Well, thank you for your, your efforts in that area. And uh, Eduardo, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Uh, wish you best of health. And uh, as we say in the railroad industry, uh, have a safe day. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you very much, Will.